Welcome to the Original Juno Podcast. I'm James Eston. Today I'm joined by Matt DeQuina. This is episode three of the Original Judo Podcast. Today I am joined by Matt DeQuina. So Matt's a Beijing Olympian and he's probably though better known for being the man behind uh, Beyond Grappling. So I first kind of was introduced to Matt last year when he asked me to um, film a few throws for, for a video that's maybe going to come out later this year. Um, but chatting to Matt, it's great to kind of hear that like how passionate and hugely knowledgeable he is about judo. And I, I hope that really comes across in the interview. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I do hope it comes across in the interview because obviously Matt is based in Australia, so to get hold of him the, with the time difference, I was up at two in the morning, so I was semi-delirious. So I, I hope I don't cut him off too much, and I, I hope that you know we you get a good sense of uh, everything he, he he talks about. Yet again, so it's really enjoyable chat. Um, he gives us his take on, well, he talks about his Olympic experience, um, kind of what he's doing now and with Beyond Grappling, what his University of Judo is, and also his project, like his role with um, South Pacific Islands and developing Judo down there, which is really interesting. Um, he's got a great take on the rules, and I also really love his Olympic analogy. Anyway, enough of me babbling on. Here is the interview with Matt. Hi guys, welcome back to uh, another uh, episode of Original Judo Podcast. Um, I'm James Austin and joined today by a Olympian from the Beijing Olympics. We're travelling all the way around the world today. Um, on the line, I've got Matt Dacuino. Hiya Matt, how are you doing? Good mate, how you going mate, good? All good, thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, first of all. Could you give us um, yeah, a quick little rundown how you got started in judo and then maybe some of the highlights of your career? Yeah, no worries. So I started judo at uh, five years old. Uh, my mum, uh, single mum, three kids, and I was the youngest of three three kids, and uh, we had no money. So she's like, What's, what can I get these guys in? Because uh, my brother and I used to fight all the time. So she took us down to the local PCYC, which is like a YMCA, and I uh, got started uh, uh, doing judo then, so yeah, since I was five, so I've been going 26 years now, and uh, and yeah, so uh, yeah, started then, and then um, I was there for a while, and then one of the coaches said, oh, to my mum, your kids are actually pretty good at this, if they want to get better, they have to move clubs, so I moved to a different club, where a lot of Olympians were training at, and people trying to be Olympians, and so from there, then on, I kind of, maybe at about 12 years old, I decided I want to go to the Olympic Games, so that was kind of what I was working towards uh, for yeah, my kind of most of my life, I guess. And uh, so I guess career highlights for me was, um, I guess, getting my black belt was the first one. So when I was 18 and a half, I, I got yeah. my black belt. Uh, my coach, Tom, gave me a, a black belt when I was 15, like he went to Korea, got a, a, my belt, my name engraved on the belt and gave it to me and said, you can wear this when you get your black belt. So I had it for three years sitting on the on the bedside table and then I finally got to wear it. So that's definitely yeah, that's one of them. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, pretty cool. I think qualifying for the Olympics was another one, and uh, definitely uh, competing there was a highlight. And um, and then I think I won a tournament called the Pack Rim Championships, which is like a uh, anyway, it's a pretty big tournament for us Aussies. And 
and that sort of stuff. Like England's not invited to that tournament because you guys aren't well, in the Pacific yeah. Ocean, I guess. But uh, I won that. I won that tournament beating a Japanese guy in the final, so I was pretty happy with that. So yeah, I guess they're, they're kind of my how I got started and my my three main highlights. And I guess my new highlight, I guess, is running my own judo club and and now producing some athletes and that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's about it. Fantastic. So um, if it's cool, I'd quite like to talk a little bit about your Olympic experience. Then yep. um, kind of what it meant to you missing out on London Olympics, how how you knew it was time to retire, a bit about what you're doing now with uh, Beyond Grappling and your, your role with uh, Oceana. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, well, it's still early in the Olympic cycle, so we'll, we'll get some stuff and then rule changes. And then uh, if you've got anything else you want to talk about, we'll, get, we'll fill it in then if that's okay. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. So... Um, Olympics is obviously a dream of like a, a lot of athletes. Beijing was uh, 2008. Beijing was the one you went to, and you fought the Greek guy in the first round. Yeah. How did that Olympic experience pan out for you? Oh, no good. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I guess I could think the Olympic experience experience for most people is generally. I always tell people uh, the Olympics is like. Uh, you go for your dream job interview, but you don't get the job yeah. in terms of I went to Olympics, but I didn't get what I wanted out of it in terms of I wanted a medal. I wanted the job. And uh, unfortunately, only uh, one person gets the gold medal. And so uh, anyway, so I, I drew our uh, first round on day one. I was under 60 kilos, so I fought on day one. So uh, they weight pretty well. And uh, for me, I didn't like fighting tall left-handers yeah. uh, in my judo career. Uh and of course, she drew a tall left-hander. And I drew a tall left-hander, so that was that was absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, so I fought, and uh, I was going okay, I guess. And then he threw me with a like a Harborelli style pickup. I think it's called Obi yeah. Toshi, but it's one of those things that you see and you go, I don't even know what that is. It's just a weird counter to T Groomer. Is that right? Yeah, exactly right. So I mean, what would I think they they wrote it down as Obi Toshi, but it's a kind of like oh, a right. Harborelli slash. Yeah, that's what we kind of call it, hey. So, yeah, so I was a little bit upset. Then he lost the next round to Ruben Hooks, who was the uh, – Dutch world champion. He wasn't the rank. Yeah, the current world champion at yeah. the time. So he he lost the next match by a penalty, so I got I got um, eliminated from the competition. So, yeah, it's pretty depressing, pretty sad, um, you know, and, you know, you know what it's like. And Oh, no, I, I, I think I, yeah, had a, so I had a similar experience. Obviously, you get so amped up that you go into the Olympic Games. And, um, yeah, again, I could never fight uh, left-handed traditional kind of style. Um, so, Sleeve and Appel, and obviously, came up against Japan in the first round. So, left-handed Japan, um, which was great. But, yeah, you get to the Olympics, and then you're kind of faced with the prospect of it not quite working out quite like the dream. Yeah, that's um, right. And yeah, for a couple of days, it is quite a um, depressing experience. But did you manage to to get get through that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I remember sitting there in the Olympic Village. You know, I hung out with my fiance and or wife at the, the fiance at the time, and my family. They went back to the village, and I was just sitting there, like by myself in the dining hall, going. <laughs> eating dinner by myself going, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this absolutely sucks. You know, I'm sitting here. And it's day one. Oh, so God. people don't even say, how you going? Like they go, how you been going? Like when you fight? I'm like, mate, I fought two days ago and I lost and it sucks. But then, um, but then you, uh, I mean, I remember saying to my uh, fiance at the time now, she's my wife, Sam, I said, 
let's go home. Like it's day two. Let's go no. home. Because I didn't come. I didn't go to the Olympics to watch other sports. I didn't go to the Olympics to watch soccer and yeah. basketball. Like I, I came to do judo and and get a medal. And so now my job's done. I didn't get it. And I want to go home. But my what? She, my Sam said, um, Matt, we're here now. Just enjoy it. Like just enjoy. It. And then I had a great time. But yeah, you're right. It does take a few days to to get your head around. Yeah, that's exactly right. To get your head around what's going on and cool. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, I had a great time and. Saw all my, you know, teammates compete and and got to go watch other events and I did have a, a absolutely fantastic time. So yeah, it was re- it was a really cool. good experience. So then you from there you kind of um, if I if I got this right you you aimed to go to London, um and you missed yeah. out on the qualification and then um you kind of called it a day. You retired after that. Is that right? Yeah, it was, it was kind of a funny journey because in two thousand eight, in two thousand nine I won. Uh, I think I changed the rules about leg grabs. I think 2009? Yeah. No, yeah. 10. And I was a big leg grabber, Carter Groomer, double leg, single legs, Tay Rumor, that sort of stuff. And they banned leg grabs. And so then I was questioning, well, I had to reinvent my judo. So I nearly actually stopped doing judo to do wrestling, freestyle wrestling, because I, I okay. wrestle as well. Uh, um, but then I just love judo. Like it's different to wrestling. It's same but different. And I love judo and I thought stuff it. I'm going to keep doing judo. So then, yeah, I tried for London. I missed out. And then um, and then I missed out. Uh, you have to be top 22 in the world to qualify. And I think after the last Oceania Championships, I was, I was I think, 28th right. in the world, and the other Australian was 22. Right, okay. So I missed out. Like, that was so close because we both got results overseas that were, you know, both – you know, we're both winning matches overseas and placing. And then, so I missed out on that, and I said, okay, I'm going to retire. And then the president of Wrestling Australia, no, Wrestling of, in my state, said, hey, Matt, we've just qualified one spot for the Olympic Games, and it's in your oh, weight okay. division, in under 60 kilos. So then I was like, well, I may as well have a crack because I'm so fit. I was the best yeah. I've ever been. Like, I was fit, I was strong. So then I, I came back from the last judo uh, selection Went to wrestling six days a week, trained every day, and uh, they had a fight-off. So whoever won the national championships, if, if the guy that qualified the spot didn't win, it would go to a yeah. fight-off. And uh, so I went to the national championships after about a month, a month and a half and um, of training. And uh, at the nationals, I drew the current Australian champ first oh, round. And I lost, like, I lost, and the match was epic. I think I lost, like, 11-10. Like, the score was just through the roof. And then I lost my next match, so I got eliminated. And uh, so then, and then I called it a day. So it was this big roller coaster, hey, of missing out, trying again, missing out. So it was uh, okay. not very fun. But I gave it my best shot. Yeah, so pretty interesting. It, it is pretty interesting. Like, as well, because obviously, we've two years later, there was going to be the Commonwealth Games. Um, like, did that play a part at all in your decision to retire? Did you know it was time to retire? Like, was it injuries? Was it a change of rules? Or was the things like the Commonwealth Games on the oh. horizon? Or? I mean, for me, Commonwealth Games was never a tournament that I ever aimed at, ever aimed okay. at competing in. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something that I've, I've wanted to like. It was just, it was just another tournament for me. It wasn't uh, the Olympic Games is the is the one I was kind of aiming for. But also, like you said, you know, like is it time to retire? And I was like, yeah, you know, like I just finished my degree, and you know, it's like being an athlete having no money for yeah. so long. Um, and uh, and also the relationship strain it, put, strain it puts on you and your wife, the relationship strain it puts on your family, on yourself, and that sort of stuff. And uh, and yeah, so 
And I, you know, I've also 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 seen, and you would have seen it too. And we see it. I mean, in the UFC, these these guys that were phenomenal athletes once, and now they just keep competing, yeah. and they and they miss the win. Like in Riley Ferguson's latest book, Six Ways to Unlock Your Potential, Athletic yep. Potential, he talks about you've got. To, I don't know if you've read it, but I read it only he only released it about two weeks ago. But um, and he just talks about there's the physical. Uh, you're at the physical peak, but also the the skillful physical peak. Are the skillful peak. and sometimes your your physical can go down, but your skillful still yeah. there for a time. But then it does fade away, and we try not to, but it does anyway. So for me, I didn't want to be one of those guys that um, kept going and kept going and losing to people you shouldn't lose to, and and that sort of stuff. So I kind of, you know, I kind of made a decision. I think it's good to make a decision of when you're okay. going to retire because it's 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 easy for me to because I know I've just seen people in Australia go. Oh, I miss, uh, you know, I went to the Olympics, but Com Games only two years away, and then they try for Com Games, and they might get there, they might not. Olympics go, oh, is only well, two years. Olympics yeah, is only yeah. two years. And yeah. then that's four years later, and then they go, oh, Worlds are next year, and they're in Japan. I want to fight in Japan. So then they go again, and then it's like, dude, you just – You need to let it go. You know, and so we just kind of – up. And, yeah, and I, I actually really um, was happy with my decision, you know, and um, I still compete in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu okay. tournaments and that sort of stuff, but um, – but, uh, You're Japan, a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, brown belt. I have yet to compete at brown belt. I only got it end of last year, so but I competed. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Well, I competed, I think, ten times last year in purple belt and, and did pretty well. So, yeah, I think um, yeah, this year I'll just do some more uh, jiu-jitsu comps and that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's good to make that decision. I think the conscious decision of when to retire. So when when did like Beyond Grappling start? Because Beyond Grappling is kind of your company, is that right? Your yeah, yeah, it's like my branding okay. online, like. People say that I'm the Beyond Grappling yeah. guy. Like they don't know my name. They just know the Beyond <laughs> Grappling guy. So pretty much, um, I really enjoy writing. I really enjoy reading. I, I enjoy teaching. Like I love teaching. I'm a primary school teacher by trade uh, at university, and I love teaching. And I and I like teaching people stuff that I never got taught. Almost like no one taught me this. Now I'm gonna hopefully teach you earlier than I learn it, so you can become a better judo player. But one of my friends, um. One of my friend's wives is an online marketer in um, something like paleocookbooks.com. So she writes okay. paleo cookbooks. And, and she said, Matt, okay. you've, got, um, you've got so many articles online. And I just started chucking stuff on YouTube and people really liked it. And she said, what do you think is the main thing like people need in judo? I was like, oh, I think they need like workouts and fitness. And so she helped me kind of write uh, – I wrote my first book, Workouts for Judo, and then she helped me – learn how to put it online and how to sell it and that sort of stuff. So that's kind of how the Beyond Grappling started. But I had a blog and I used to just chuck up random thoughts and that sort of stuff and it started getting millions and millions of hits and then um, people seemed to like my stuff, which was nice. And then um, Yeah, so I'm now, sure there's a lot of people who know your videos on YouTube and everything. So Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Everywhere I go in the world, people are like, hey, you're the Beyond Grappling guy. I'm like, yeah, like – America, everywhere, wherever I go, people know who I am, you know, it's quite funny. Okay, um, and then University of Judo, is that something still going on? Is that something that grew out of Beyond Grappling, or is that a pet project? Yeah, that's right, so the Beyond Grappling is like, obviously I sell, I do a lot of free stuff online, and then my University of Judo is like an online database where I have, I've got 900 videos on there from every technique you can think of, and I've got training camp footage, and so people can access all that stuff. But the main reason why I started the University of Judo is to, like, I coach people okay. online. So if you run a club okay. in the in the in the country, in America, and you've got no coach, 
then I Skype and talk to people and, and help write them lesson plans, help them teach, and pretty much help them run their club better and run their classes better. And sometimes they ring up and go, hey, Matt, I'm teaching Ochigari this week. Do you have any tips for me? And I, you know, on the website, I've got like you know, 20 entries into Ochigari so they can watch them and educate themselves on them and go and teach their clubs better. So, yeah, so I've got a few guys on there that I, I coach online and, and that sort of stuff. So that's the University of Judo. So it's like a coaching program online. Yeah. It's a really good service. I wish I had it growing you, up. You, you're quite heavily involved in the education. So obviously those two are kind of your um, personal projects, but you work for Oceana Judo as well. Are you their education director? Is that right? That's right. So I'm the education director. So my job is to kind of, um, I guess, increase the level of education of Judo in the Oceana region, which is all the Pacific Island nations, uh, Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, Kiribati, Marshall Islands, things like that. Like there's heaps of islands and that. So I'm trying to help those guys educate them on uh, not necessarily competition judo, but just judo okay. in general, how to run class, how to teach, and and that sort of stuff. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do uh, with that. Is judo uh, a growing sport out there, or the, you you got uh, challenges? Obviously, I guess getting people together to do judo. Yeah, that's right. I mean. Um, like from in Australia to travel from the east coast to the west coast, it's like six and a half hours on the plane. Like it's just so far away. Uh, but in the islands, is that something that across the, all? Yeah, all of the the Oceania then that's a challenge. Like Australia, New Zealand, getting the guys together is that is that the main? Oh, it's 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 so hard. It's it's really hard because a few reasons. One with visas and stuff like Australia and New Zealand are really tough to get a visa into oh, yeah. our country. So a lot of the island nations, they might not get a visa to even enter, to do, even do a tournament. So that makes it difficult. But the one of the other difficult things we have with the islands is that they get paid about anywhere from it depends what island we're talking about anywhere between fifty and a hundred US dollars a month. That's what they get paid. So it's not that much. And and then they're going to spend you know two you know one thousand US dollars to go to a tournament in Australia. Yeah. For them, where they've got families and kids, it's like, dude, that's 10 months' wages for one tournament. Like it's actually, you know, you wouldn't do it yourself, let alone expecting them to do it, like 10 months' worth of income. You don't spend it's 80% so... of your salary on, on one competition. Yeah. Wow. So it's really hard for them to, to grow uh, and, to, and to enter these tournaments because of uh, the financial struggle and also the – you know, the numbers struggle trying to get people to do judo as well. And I guess that's my job is to help them recruit, help them retain, and help them also get better at competition judo as well. So it's a definitely a long-term – there's no easy solution okay. really. And is that then – so is it just the islands you work with? Are you working with Australia judo as well and New Zealand or – Yeah, so I don't really work much with Australia um, uh, because they've got obviously we got much more resource than all the other nations and that sort of stuff. But uh, two weeks ago, I flew over to New Zealand and was like a guest coach there at their national one of their national okay. training camps. So we had 90 athletes there. Uh, so I went over there and just uh, got to have a feel of how they're going, how the juniors are going, how the seniors are going, and and got to teach on uh, on some some topics about competition judo and things like that. So yeah, I think I'll be doing much more of that stuff uh, over the cool. next few years. Um, so, yeah, working with New Zealand, that sort of stuff, which that, is cool. That is pretty cool. And, and I guess the long-term goals of that, is it to produce Olympic athletes? Is it to produce Olympic medals? Cause, um, I know, like, there's only is, – is it right Australia's only had two Olympic medals since, they, like, in 
Inception of yeah. Judo, is that right? Yeah, so we've had three. Okay. The first one, so in 64, we had a yep. bronze. And in 64, they also had a women's event uh, as well. And Sue Williams, one of the Aussie girls, came first. Uh, so, But they don't count it because it was a demonstration sport. Yes. Um, so anyway, so we've had a gold and two bronzes, but they don't really officially count the gold. But uh, I count it because uh, you fought at the Olympic Games and you came first. <laughs> you know what I mean? De- yeah, definitely. Uh, of course you're going to count that. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, so um, yeah, so that makes it tricky as well. Cool. Okay. Who who's coming through? Who who have you guys got coming through that um, the rest of the world should watch out for? Yeah, we've got a, we've got a few players. So we've got um, in sixty kilos and sixty six, we have Nathan and Josh Katz, who uh, spent a lot of time in England. I think yeah. at Cambly training. Um, you know, they're they're good young judo players. They're only nineteen and twenty one, so they've already been in the Olympic Games and. They've been on the circuit now for a few years, so they've been luckily for them. Well, not luckily, good on them. They've earned this, but um, they've um, they've done the two on the circuit early, so exposed early to competition judo. So I think they're going to go really well. We have a a German-born um, girl called Katarina Hacker in sixty three yeah. in women. Um, she's going really uh, good as well. Uh, yeah, so we have yeah we have um, we have a fair few cool. coming up coming through as well. So. Yeah, they're, they're definitely the top three to look out for. Yeah. And I've got I've got a few guys at my club as well that are trying for 2020. They're a bit younger, okay. less experienced. A lot can happen in two years, you know. Like, uh, So uh, I've got a guy, Sam Simons, a New Zealander that trains with me. Yeah. Uh, another guy, Liam Treadgold, training with me as well. And uh, I've got a few other juniors as well coming through. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with my club, how, how many we can get through I like to it. the Olympics one day. You heard it here first. Yeah. So we'll keep eyes out for That's those it. ones. Exactly. Um, cool. Before we move on to like the rule changes and and, and, and anything else, and um, is there any like videos or fighters that you used to watch or you like to watch now that kind of really is is represent what judo is for you? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I think um, growing up, uh, I went to a tournament once, and uh, my first ever Oceania Championships, I was like, uh, I can't remember how old, yeah, something, and uh, I was fighting. And I was fighting against another Aussie in the final, and I could not throw him. And I remember looking over in the crowd, and Dennis uh, Iverson, one of the – I don't know if you know him, but one of the guys who I'd never really talked to, he was yelling at me saying, do a, do a card of groomer, do a card of groomer. Okay. And I remember thinking, you know, mid-match, I remember thinking, why is he cheering to me? I've never even talked to him before. <laughs> and then I was thinking, I've never done card of groomer before. Anyway, so after that match, I lost the match. And I thought, if I knew Carter Groomer, I could beat that guy. So then I went online and I looked up, do you know Vazakashvili, the Georgian? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember him? 66 kilos? So he, Is that right? Or was he, six, well, no, was he 60 kilos? He was. He got a world medal in 60s, 66, and 73. Wow. Yeah, a world medal in each each weight division. And um, he just threw everybody with Carter Groomer, like everybody. Awesome. And uh, so I used to watch him back in the day because he could just throw anybody at any time. Uh, and that helped shape my judo. Uh, but I think these days, I mean, I love uh, Iliadis. Yeah. Uh, mainly Iliadis, Tehrana, uh, mainly because at the 2011 Worlds, uh, Iliadis and Tehrana had six fights, and they won six different ways. Okay. Like six fights, okay. six different techniques to win. So like Iliadis, I think, armbarred someone, strangled someone, threw someone with Taitoshi, Ogoshi. I thought, wow. These guys not only are good at judo, but they have a range of judo, Big. tachiwaza and nefsaza, and that's what judo is all about. It's it's not having, I think, one technique 
that you throw everybody with, although it's great. And one technique, as we know, with 10 different setups, it's actually 10 techniques. But that these guys just displayed an understanding of judo that, that, uh, so I really love that, um, that they have an understanding. So Ted Ryan Iliadis, I really like. Um, and I watch them and just go, man, I wish that's just to do what they do and have the understanding, not just the strength and the, the tactics, but I just love that they can throw, uh, world class people with, uh, various techniques, not just one. So I think I really like those two guys as the epitome of kind of judo. T. Runner is a little bit more tactical, so he doesn't quite go for the Ippon as much. But uh, and I love Ono. Ono's just the seventy three. Next level, yeah. yeah, yeah. Next level throwing for Ippon. Superhuman. But uh, oh, he is. But he's been um, banned a few times for bullying, so he doesn't quite on competition judo. Yes, he's he's great, but the essence of judo, no, because he's a bully, okay. and judo's not about. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know what I mean? definitely no, totally. I'll um I'll see if I can find a few links and, and to some videos of those guys and, and throw them up in the the show notes. But cool. Um I guess one of my favourite fights was um did you remember the two thousand three Worlds seventy three kilo fight? I think it was Makarov versus Kanamuri. Oh, yeah, uh, so good. That fight was just that's unreal. Like the attack rate from both of them was yeah, yeah. N- nothing like it. But um, and Kanemaru is such a nice guy, which I oh, yeah? like him even more. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so nice. Did you meet him? Yeah, yeah, because he trains at Scuba, and so I, I did a lot of my training at Scuba University in Japan. Okay, cool. And uh, and I remember it was a f- my first day I was there. I was like, oh man, there's Kanemaru, and I just love him. He's just he's just so good at judo. Yeah. And then first round, first randori, he comes up and goes, oh, want a randori? And I was like, no way, I get to fight Kanemaru, and he didn't. Annihilate like he he actually fought because he's much better than me and two weight divisions bigger than me. Right. But he fought, he 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 allowed me to enter and we had a really good randori. Like it wasn't him throwing me fifty times. It was a nice exactly. really open yeah yeah. So that was cool. So he's a nice guy and got great judo and that's what judo is all about. If you if you got great judo but you're an idiot, I don't want you at my club. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, if you're not a nice person, uh, then. You know, you don't deserve to be graded or whatever. So judo is not just about the sport, but the personality and the character as well. No, that's awesome, man. If you if you could, if you had one more tournament left in you, um, what would it be? What would you want to do again? Or what have you not oh, done that you'd like to do? I think Paris Grand Slam. Okay, cool. Like I want to fight in Paris Grand Slam. Uh, did you ever? Uh, did you do it in your career? No, I never did. So that's the thing. I think I'd, I'd love to. It was a, I, I fought in Paris once. It was amazing. Um, I had the I had the French boy in the first round. Um, yeah. It was still early in the day, so the, the crowd wasn't quite full. Yeah, it was amazing, and I, I won that fight um, oh, nice. by doing absolutely terrible judo. <laughs> <laughs> but I won that fight. This guy had beautiful judo, um, but I just spoiled it and ruined his day. And then I got battered in my next fight by um, Mamadov, the Azerbaijani. But yep. just being there in Paris was unreal. It's yeah, superb tournament. The crowds like nothing else. Um, you know, have you have you did you watch Paris this last week or a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, I did watch some of it. What did you think? What did you think of the new rules and and what the judo is looking like? Oh, I think I mean I think I think it's fantastic. Uh, so the new, yeah, the new judo rules. I just like um, I like the fact you can't win on penalties. Yeah. 
I, I don't even like the term penalty because it's negative. I'd rather win on advantages, but that's my own personal thing. Okay. Um, um, yeah, so I think it's great. I think the gripping, the fights are way more flowing. Uh, there's less Shido's given, I guess. And, um, yeah, I think it's really cool. Would you think of the reduced time? Is that a factor? Or does that make any difference? Or is just up the attack rate? Yeah, up the attack rate. But I think um, a lot of fights go to golden score now. Okay. Like uh, we had a tournament here only last weekend in Australia, one of our bigger, one of our bigger ones. And every fight went – like so many fights went to golden score. Like so many fights. I was like, man, there's golden score again. Like there's another one. There's another one. Yeah, yeah. So many fights went to golden score. And I think in Tbilisi, I think it was uh, in Georgia. Yeah. They, the AF said there was a lot more Golden Score fights, which means tournaments are going to drag on a lot more. Right. Okay. So bringing the yeah. time down makes sense. Then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it cool. does. So um, yeah, I just like that idea of just that attacking judo will win, um, hopefully. So with working for Oceana Judo, you might know this, and I'm going to ask everybody I interview, why on yeah. earth are they insisted on keeping leg grabs as two shidos? Why can't they just make that? The same Shido rule as everything else. And I'll keep asking until someone gives me an answer that makes some kind of sense. As in, as in I grab your leg once, Shido. If I grab it again, Shido. If I grab it again, disqualified. So why is the second one DQ but not the third? Yeah, why, why not just – because they're talking about things like the gripping rules have been simplified to make it easier for the referees and easier for people watching to understand. But the leg grab rule kind of now f- is the only penalty rule that doesn't fit in with that. Easy. Easy. I, I I I know exactly why. Well, this is what I think anyway. Is uh, I'm fighting in a way. Yeah. And he launches in for a massive uchimata. Yeah. So what do I do to defend him? I will I will willingly grab his leg and stop the technique. Yeah. Okay. So now I get a shooter, but he doesn't throw me for rip on, which means I live to fight another day. Yeah. Which means I get to keep fighting. Now if he, but now the second time he launches in, I don't have that chance. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I tell all my players, all my athletes. We're not playing judo. We're competing judo. Like yeah. every randori, I have one leg grab up my sleeve. Every randori, every round, I, ha- I must. So I had one of my athletes compete, and a guy came in with a massive Cianagi and threw him for rip on. Yeah. I said, why don't you grab his leg? Why don't you stop it by grabbing that opposite leg? You know how you grab the opposite leg? Yeah. Okay. So they, they can't you. He said, because you're not allowed. I said, yes, you can. You get a shido. You got to take the shido if it's there. Uh, so anyway, but that means you only get one. So. Okay. In order how? Just, how? Yeah. Do you think that's worse than I spoke to Colin Oates and asked him about this as well? Um, do you think that's worse than than someone just avoiding combat and, and dancing out of the area, stepping off the mat, avoiding is it, being is thrown it, that way? Sorry, so, yeah, avoiding the throw that way. Yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, it all depends. If I'm in the center of the mat and you're throwing me for ripple, and I just have to grab that leg. Okay. You know, you know when someone does like a drop cioe, yeah, drop cianagi. And they're driving and driving, and you're like, damn it, I can't grab the leg. And they throw you for like a Wazari now, maybe a Yuko. But yeah. now you can actually grab that leg to stop. So, I mean, yeah, I know what you mean, though. How come it's one Shido, then disqualified, but everything else is two Shidos and disqualified? You're right, it is. It does make it confusing. Uh, but maybe maybe they didn't even think about this when they released the rules. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But plenty of time before um, they settle on them, I'm sure. And I'm sure there'll be a few tweaks after the Worlds. Maybe nothing major, but I'm sure there'll be some change after the Worlds. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, there will be. Well, look, Matt, thank you very much for coming on. Was there anything you wanted to uh, promote, talk about today? Um, 
it's still early days in the podcast, but I'm sure, well, hopefully we'll get a few listeners and it'd be great if, you, if you've got um, anything out there that people can find useful, let them know. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess I should have mentioned this earlier when we're talking about the Oceana stuff, but one thing I'm looking at doing is um, something called judogirescue.com, okay. uh, which is a, uh, and we're starting out obviously only small, but um, pretty much an Australian judo guy said, hey, I've got 30 old judo suits or judo uniforms, judogi, yeah. where can I take them? Who can I give them to? And uh, a lot of the island nations don't have judogi because just to get a judo suit to Fiji costs a lot of money with shipping. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm looking at doing is me and a whole bunch of Australians, uh, about a handful of us, are doing something called judogi rescue. So what we're doing is like we had a tournament last weekend in my state. So I advertise that if you're coming to Canberra, which is where I live, and you have an old judo suit that you don't want anymore – bring it to the tournament, give it to me, and also give me $10 per judogi. So if you give me a judo suit, give me $10. I'm going to collect up as many judogi as I can, and then with the $10 that they donate per judogi, we can then ship them to India, Nepal, Bangladesh, Africa, Kenya, Tonga, Samoa, wherever. So, um, And so what I want to do is obviously long-term is be able to have a judogi rescue in in England, where you can collect up 50 geese, yeah, yeah. and if you ever go on holidays to a nation, whether it's you know impoverished nation of some sort, then you can take 10 with you in your luggage and give them to the uh, orphanages that do judo and that sort of stuff. So yeah. I've done judo in orphanages in Nepal. I've done judo in Indonesia. Yeah. Um, and all these guys don't have equipment. They don't even have mats. So if you can help them, that'd be great. So anyway, judogirescue.com. Is that, is that up and running? Yeah, people checked it out. Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. Um, but I, like I said, I only started it up not long ago, but it's just something to get started. Because, you know, judo is all about Jigo Run and Jigo Kano's main principles is mutual welfare, mutual benefit. And so judo is all about uh, helping me, but also helping others. And so, yeah, um, if we can help people um, get. So if you go on holidays to Fiji, then you can email me and I can give you 30 geese to take with you and you can give them to the clubs around there or whatever. So, yeah, just check that out, guys. And. I guess that's all I really want to promote. Uh, no, that's amazing. Thank you very much, mate. Um, look, thank you very much for having a chat with me. I really appreciate that. Where can people find you if they want to find out a little bit more about you, what you're doing beyond grappling? Are you on Twitter, Facebook? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook. Um, just, uh, yeah, Beyond Grappling or beyondgrappling.com is, is my website. And um, I often hold like Q&As on there, so I ask questions and people – or people ask questions, I answer them, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, but if they ever have any questions, they can just hit me up on – yeah, beyondgrappling.com or Beyond Grappling on YouTube. Um, I always post up content up there. So, yeah, that'd be great. Amazing. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. You're awesome, James. Take it easy. Talk soon. Catch up. So that was the interview with Matt. Um, I'd love to get him back on, preferably like at a time when I'm not quite so exhausted or sleep deprived. Um, be good to go a little bit more in depth about his work with the, the island nations and how that's going um, yeah I'll post the, the fights on the website and I'll add a link if you want to check out Bill Grappling or judorescue.com or any of the links that some of the guys have talked about already um, the Canamaroo mackerel fight is definitely worth a watch and it wasn't picked deliberately but since recording the episode in February it turns out that Canamaroo um, has arrived for a stay in Wales at the start of March and will be, I think, 
I think he's working with the, the Welsh squad over the next year. So hopefully there'll be opportunities there for other judo players to, to get on the mat with him. Um, yeah, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher and share it with your friends. Uh, also get in touch if you enjoyed anything or if you can help me improve it. The um, My Twitter, probably the best way to get in touch is at Original Judo Point. Catch you later.